Peter chapter number one. First Peter chapter number one. And uh, I think it'd help if I use this microphone. Can I use this microphone? Is that okay? We'll turn, is this one on? Turn this one off. I don't see nobody back there. There he is. I see a hand. I turned that one off, so we'll turn this one on if that's okay. First Peter chapter number one. In just a moment, I want to begin reading in verse number three in this particular portion of scripture. We, we understand this. If, if I am any type of student of the word of God, I'm always searching for the context of the scripture. That's simply the intended meaning or the intended purpose. Why did God use a man named Peter to write this epistle, to write this letter to the children of God? As we read the scriptures and as we study verse by verse and line upon line, we're always asking these questions, looking for the purpose and looking for the intention. Peter is writing, we understand this historically, he is writing to the suffering believer. As a matter of fact, many of the first readers of this particular letter, they are suffering under a man named Nero. They would literally give their life for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of their fathers, many of their mothers, husbands and wives, they would be burnt at the stake. They would have their heads chopped off simply because they were living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Often in my life, and my ministry, I have preached and I have taught and I have studied and I have read 1 Peter and 2 Peter and I have seen what Peter had told the children of God that were willing to die for their faith in Christ. But it's an amazing thing. When you begin to suffer personally in your life, it takes upon a different meaning. There is a different application inside of your life. Of all the multitude of times that I've read these verses of the multitude of times that I have seen this in my life now as my wife Rachel has went to heaven and I watched her for months upon months suffer with cancer inside of her body we've seen the miracle but then God allowed the cancer to come back and I watched her suffer and God did not give us the miracle and the suffering began in our life and now all of a sudden Peter is writing to the suffering believer. What I would like to do this morning is simply to lay the foundation. I would encourage you in the next few days to read this small epistle. And you must understand in its context, he is writing, and it will amaze you how he is writing and what he is saying. But in context, he is writing to men that would watch their wives die for their faith in Christ. He is writing to women, some of the first century believers, that would watch their husband literally be burnt at the stake simply because they were serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch what Peter is saying to the suffering believers as we begin in verse number three in chapter number one. Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead in the exposition. Number one, allow me to make this statement concerning the resurrection of the suffering. Peter is laying the foundation. Foundation. Peter is preparing to write to them uh, some very difficult things in the life of their suffering uh, of the child of God. But he begins by reminding
reminding them, whatever happens, whatever takes place in our life, however bad it may seem, however bad it may become, we serve a risen Savior. Whatever the sickness may be, whatever the disease may be, however hard life may be, if you're saved, if you're a child of God, we serve a risen Savior. So that gives us not, not just hope, watch the Bible. We have a lively hope that refers to a living hope. I don't serve a statue. I'm not looking to false religious leaders, but I serve a God that yes, he bled, and yes, he died for our sins, and yes, he shed every drop of his blood, but he didn't stay dead. Our hope is a living Savior. Our hope is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So number one, we see the resurrection of the suffering, but then number two, look at the reservation of the suffering. Why? Verse number four, to an inheritance. What is it, Peter? It's incorruptible and undefiled. And if fate, it cannot disappear. It fadeth not away. Watch this word. It's reserved. Where? In heaven. For who? For you, for the beloved. You know, Peter just said he's getting ready to remind them there, there will be days of suffering. He's getting ready to remind them that as long as, we, and we'll talk more this evening about this, but as long as we're on this earth, there will be sickness and there will be pain and there will be affliction and there will be disease. But he is reminding them already, if you're saved, if you're a child of God, whatever you may go through upon this earth, what may ever may happen in this body we have a place reserved in heaven for us it cannot go away it will not fade away can I say it this way we really don't know about tomorrow we really have no idea how bad it may become but I do know my future I do know my destination and it is a place called heaven it is reserved for the children of God we can have complete confidence in knowing that as long as I've been washed in the blood I'm sealed unto the day of redemption there's a home called heaven it is reserved for the children of God no matter how bad it may be down here no matter how bad it may become down here isn't it wonderful to know that everything's wonderful in the father's house everything's wonderful in a place called heaven what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see that is not just a future hope that is a consistent hope. It is reserved in heaven for you. You see, the resurrection of the suffering. We're interested in the reservation of the suffering. But watch verse number five. Look at the revealing of the suffering. Who are, how? Who are kept by the power of God through faith. Why? Under salvation. What is it, Peter? It's ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, Peter said, there will be days I've discovered this, I've learned this, I've lived this in the last few months of my life. There will be days we're saved by the grace of God. It's through faith. But in the darkest and the deepest valleys of your life, you don't feel like a Christian. You don't even act like a Christian, much less look like a Christian. But you know what Peter said? We are kept by the power of God. It is not about my emotions. It is not about 
might. We'll feel good in the meeting. Caleb will get up here. He'll start shouting. He'll start hollering. He'll spit into the next county. I mean, we'll walk out of here feeling good. We'll get on an emotional high. We'll feel like we can cross hell. We'll feel like we can save the world. But here's the problem. That feeling's gonna go away. I feel saved in a place like this. But there's a lot of Monday mornings I don't feel saved. There's a lot of times I read my Bible because I'm supposed to read my Bible, but I don't want to read my Bible. There's a lot of times I know where to pray without ceasing, so I'll start praying, and I'll start, but I don't feel like praying. Why? Because I don't even feel like a child of God. But isn't it wonderful to know that it's not based upon our feelings? We are kept not by our strength. I'd already be lost. We're kept not by our power. I'd already be on my way to hell. But because of Calvary, because of redemption, even in the darkest days of our life, even in the deep valleys of our life we are kept by the power of an omnipotent God we are held in the hands of a holy God in the darkest times in the worst days of our life when you don't feel like a Christian you're kept by the power of God so watch the Bible so we're ready to be revealed in the last time you know what Peter said what the songwriter said, we'll understand it better by and by. There's some things right now it's not been revealed. There's some things right now you have questions. You're asking God. You're wondering why. Just as Jesus questioned God upon the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Have you heard the super spiritual fundamental preachers of the land say that you should never question God because it's a sin? Well, if that's true, then Jesus sinned, but Jesus never sinned. But Jesus did question his father. I'm here to remind you I got a lot of questions. I've asked God a lot of questions in the last few months of my life but isn't it wonderful to know we may not get the answer today we may not get the answer tomorrow but there is a time it will be revealed in the sweet by and by there's some revelation that God will show us in the midst and after the suffering it will be ready to be revealed so preacher why don't I know today it's not ready but in that day it'll be ready Say, preacher, I will understand today. We can't handle it today. But in that day, in the last time, it will be revealed. Just introduction this morning, we see a resurrection of the suffering. The reservation of the suffering. The revealing of the suffering. But here's the message. Number four, look at the rejoicing of the suffering. Wherein? This, this is strange. He greatly rejoiced. Peter, some of the first readers of this epistle, they watched their husband burn at a stake. And you're telling them to rejoice? Peter, some historically, they were suffering under the hands of the wicked emperor Nero. They were getting their heads chopped off. Many of the mothers and fathers, their children were dying for their faith in God. And you're telling them not just to rejoice, but in a day such as a day that dark and that evil and that wicked and that corrupt, they should greatly rejoice. In an evil day, 
There's something that great to rejoice in. Watch verse 6. Though now for a season. What's that mean? It's temporary. I was in Florida most of January. Somebody say amen right there. But anyhow, I was in Florida. But there's, not, there's only two seasons in Florida. But in the mountains, we, we understand seasons better than they understand seasons. We're in the winter season now, but spring, in just a little while, it won't be long, just a few weeks away, the flowers will be blooming again. The grass will turn green again. The leaves will give shade again. The mountain breeze will be cool again. All of these things will happen. Why? Because winter don't last forever. There are seasons. You know what Peter just said? Whatever you're going through, however bad it may be for the child, of God. Here's why we're greatly rejoicing. It's not going to be this way forever. It's not going to last this way forever. There is coming another day. There is coming another season. And it'll be worth it all when we see Christ. So wherein he greatly rejoiced. Though now for a season. Watch this. If need be you're in heaviness distress manifold, many temptations. You know what Peter said? It's an amazing statement. If you need this in your life, God will put it there. That makes no sense to me. God, why would my wife need to die so young? That don't make no sense. God, I don't understand a lady that loved you, that served you, that was faithful. Why would that be necessary in my life? Manifold temptations. I don't know what your story is. I, I have no idea how you suffered. I, I don't know what sickness or disease may be in your body even at this moment in your time. But it makes no sense to say it might be necessary. For my life. So watch the Bible. Verse 7. That the trial. Of your faith. Literally means this. The test. Of your faith. Adrian Rogers put it this way. Faith that cannot be tested is no faith at all. It's one thing to say that you love God on the mountain. It's one thing to say when all your bills are paid and you're healthy and all your children are doing well, how great God is. But it's another thing. God will put you to the test. You know what Peter said? It's the trial. It's the test of your faith. What is it, Peter? Being, that's an important word, much more precious than of gold that perish. You know what he said? I know God's blessed all of us. I know God's been good to us. We, we have nice cars. You have nice houses. Some of you have money in the bank. I know God's been good. To, that's not what he said. He said everything that you possess in this world, there's something more precious. The trial. The test. We in America, we have Americanized God so much. We consider big ministries the blessing of God. We consider big houses and lots of money the blessing of God. You know what Peter just said? Something more precious than any of all of those things. The test. The 
trying. Why? Because houses, they'll go away. Cars, lands, they'll go away. Money in the account, it'll all go away. But that test will last for all eternity. So I wonder this morning, the worst day of my life was almost three months ago now. I wonder this morning how I'm doing on something so precious to God. I wonder when you went through your valleys and your storms and possibly going through them at this moment, I wonder how you're doing on something so precious. If God would give me a million dollars, if God would give me houses and lands, I would say praise you Jesus. But when God gives us the test, God said, that's more precious. Why? Why don't God? God, I need more money. God, if I could just have a nicer house. God, if I could have more land. God, if I could have all. God, why don't you? He said, I'll give you something better. It's worth far more than gold. I'll put you to the test. Trial. You know what that means? God didn't allow this in your life because he hates you. God put it in your life. I don't understand this. God put it in your life because he loves you. God has allowed it to happen to put you through the trial of your faith. When God sees this trial, he don't see danger. He don't see disaster. He sees something more precious than gold. He sees the test of your faith. Why? Though it, verse 7, be tried or tested with fire. It might be found unto praise and honor and glory when the appearing of Jesus Christ. That, that's an amazing word. It literally means that the revelation of Jesus Christ after the rapture, after the tribulation, after there will be a revelation of Christ. He is coming again as the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. And you know, Peter said, we don't understand it now. We, we can't comprehend it now. But there's coming a day in the future. You'll be glad you didn't quit in the test. You'll be glad you didn't fail in the test. You'll be glad you didn't give up in the trial. I'm just here to remind you this morning, uh, take another step for God, sir. Go another mile for Jesus, ma'am. It'll be worth it all when we see him. Right now, if need be, God will put you through a test. Not because he hates you, but he trusts you. January 6th of last year, I told my Rachel she only had a few weeks, a few months, maybe a year to live. And we began to pray and you began to pray and we began to beg God. And God gave us a miracle. Little did we know. A year later, my Rachel would be in heaven. I don't understand all this. But I believe every word is true. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know how bad it is at your house today. But I know God loves you. On January 6th of last year, when we came home, we had to tell Adelie, 
the doctor said. And we put our hands together with our little family. And we began to talk to God and to thank him for the honor of this trial. To thank him <laughs> that he would trust us that much to allow us to go through such a test. Little did we know how hard the test would be. Can I say it this way this morning? I don't know your test. I don't know your trial. I don't know the valley, the pain. But I know God loves you. God cares for you. But can God trust you? I want you to stand with every head bowed. And Adley, if you'll help us this morning.